Hi, this is Kelly, your certified health coach. And this is Scarlett, your life coach here in the Valley of the Sun. And welcome to Hot in Arizona. So how you been, Kel? Good, yeah. good, good. Hey, I uh, saw pictures online of your gratitude tree. Oh, isn't it awesome? It's gorgeous. Yeah, I, I love, love it. it. I love it. I it is so, so creative. It's so creative. And I love that it's so simple. It's yeah. Just, I, yeah. I might just keep it for Christmas. I don't know. <laughs> it would work all through, seriously. <laughs> yeah. It would be perfect for Christmas just as much. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, just kind of continuing in our, our month of gratitude. Um, and, you know, we... We're always grateful for so many things. Mm -hmm. And, of course, this month we celebrated Veterans Day. Yep. And we're so grateful for our veterans. Uh, yes. I mean, seriously, so. these people, I don't, again, I don't care what they did in there. You know, what, if they were pencil pushers, if they were frontline, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It is all part of that machine mm -hmm. that keeps us free. Absolutely. That keeps us protected. Absolutely. And they're just amazing people, and we're so grateful you you had people in your family that I served do. in the military. I do. Yeah, my dad was in the Air Force, went to the Vietnam War. Wow. Uh, became that's how he got into the police work too, because he was military police in the Air Force. Very cool. And then my late husband was Navy. I did Navy for thirteen years, and then was um, National Guard for the last uh, wow. seven years. Retired, medically retired from there. So, Very and cool. my stepson was the National Guard. He just recently medically retired as well. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm old really enough to have cool. a stepson that was in the military. Isn't that scary? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I too, you know, my my grandfather was Army Air Corps, flew the hump, China, Burma, and India, which was crazy. And my stepdad, he was in the Army. Mm -hmm. uh, my uncle was in the Navy. My cousin was in the Navy. And, of course, you know, I was married to the Marine Corps and the Navy. <laughs> yeah, I dated <laughs> for, a guy who was Marine. amounts of time. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but here's what's funny. We both just, like, ran down all these relatives and people mm -hmm. that we've been involved with, mm -hmm. and not one of them was a woman. Right. They were all men. I know. What is that? What is that? Well, I have some friends that are military. You know, I, friends, yeah. I do, too. Mm -hmm. I do, too. Um, you know, since, I mean, there have been women in the military for a lot longer than what we think. Oh, yeah. I mean, since 1782, mm -hmm. women have been disguising themselves as men in order yep. to go and fight. Yep. Because they feel that strongly. Exactly. And they want to do something. Well, yeah. And not just sit around at home. Well, how many women, like in the underground, you know, it was the Absolutely. women that, that took care of it. So Absolutely. Leave it to a woman. Um, they let women join in 1917, World War I. Mm -hmm. But what did they do? They were nurses. They were nurses. Mm -hmm. There were 33,000 that served during World War II. Yep. 33,000. And, or, uh, I guess that was World War One, And then during World War Two, there was like 400,000. But again, they were mm -hmm. nurses. They were ambulance drivers, mechanics. They weren't allowed right. to be in the front line. And they line. drove truck, too. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. And it wasn't... They were all like non-combat until 1991 for the Persian mm -hmm. Gulf War. Yep. And then there were 41,000 women deployed to the combat zone, which amazes yeah. me. Amazes me. Seriously. Mm -hmm. I just... Honestly, because I don't know if I could have done it. I don't know yeah, if I could. I don't know. I always um, I always wanted to be in the military, go into the military, but I wasn't allowed to because of my eye. But for medical reasons. Yeah. yeah. Well, according to the U.S. Naval Institute, 
as of last year, now I know that it's grown since then, but last year there were over 213,000 women that were serving in our military. Good for them. And today we are lucky enough to have one of them with us. Yes, we are. I think that is awesome. And um, we want to introduce our listeners to a mutual friend of ours, uh-huh. Melanie Vu. Thank you Thank so you, much for joining Thank us. Thank you for having me. So excited. So tell us, I know that we used to all work together. Uh-huh. And um, I know that you had served in the military. Yeah. What made you want to do that? I mean, was that something that you had always wanted or something that one night you said, guess what, mom? No, I kind of (laughs) always knew that I I wasn't going to go to college right after high school. I grew up in East Providence, Rhode Island. Wow, Um, East Coast. I didn't have like a military family. The only person in the military was my grandfather and he was in World War II. And he was also a police officer. And, um... I want to say, you know, I saw the movie Top Gun and I was like, I'm going to fly a plane. That's me, That's me, but it was really the beginning of the Gulf War, and even though I was not just going into um, high school at the time, I remember seeing George Bush give his speech. Oh my gosh, um, I remember. I was just, I remember, I'm like, I'm doing that, I'm going into the military. And so that's kind of like really, I, I always knew that's what I was going to do. So I graduated high school in 1994 and joined the military a few months after. I, mm-hmm. I didn't go right after I graduated. What but, branch um, did you join? I, I joined the Air Force. That's the best branch. The best <laughs> branch, yes. But um, I was military police, like Kelly's dad. And so I, um, that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't the most luxurious uh, job to do. Um, but I always knew that I wanted to be in the military. I wanted to do some type of police work. And um, eventually I became a, a dog handler. So um, it was it was not easy at first. I mean, in the early 90s, there weren't many um, women in that profession, let alone right. as dog handlers. So, I mean, I, I was kind of, I wasn't really like a tomboy and I wasn't a super girly girl either. But um, I kind of got used to just doing the, the regiment, the routine. So right after high school, yeah, you go into boot camp. Yeah. Oh yeah. So for someone who's, you know, you're. I wasn't really super girly girl, and I definitely was not a tomboy. Yeah. I didn't play sports yeah. and things like that. How was boot camp for you? Um, well, I'm not a runner. I was actually a competitive swimmer growing up, wow. so I kind of felt like a fish out of water. Right. But um, so this <laughs> running stuff, I was like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> how do you do this? Um, I wasn't like the fastest runner. I mean, I was fit, um, but it's more mental, if anything, I think. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that just can't handle it. And people will say, you know, Air Force basic training is kind of weak compared to the other branches. And I'm not going to deny that, but I think it's it's what you make of it. And mm-hmm. It's more mental. So if you're not strong mentally, you're you know, I think, think if you're strong mentally, you can pretty much get yourself through anything. And I'm not saying that I'm 100% strong mentally, but there But do you are think days. that women have kind of an advantage? Because honestly, I think that mentally we are strong. I think mentally we're uh, more advanced yes. sometimes. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. More Agreed. mature. Um, right. But yeah, and at the, now, now I think that basic training is kind of co-ed. Right. Um, but it wasn't when I went through. So it was, it was all, all women. Um, wow. 
But it it was six or seven weeks, I think, when I went through. And then right after that, I went into like the what they are considered their police academy. You did oh. basic training with all women? All women, I yeah. was not aware that they had segregated it like that back then. Yeah, it was. Huh? It was. So yeah. now it's kind of mixed. You do, yeah. Have, you know, but, right. But then nice. when I went to what's called technical school for mm -hmm. the Air Force or um, I forget what the the army calls it, but like my actual military police school, it was um, co-ed. Mm -hmm. So very cool. How how many years have you done? I retired in twenty seventeen with twenty three years. Wow, that's oh, awesome! Cow, that is yeah. awesome! Wow, yeah. that is how, how many deployments did you have? I did one, but I had a lot of other um, TDY temporary duties in between. Mm -hmm. And being a dog handler, we worked with the Secret Service, so we would have to do um, a lot of stuff like that with them. Um, traveling, uh, bomb dog handlers, so you're looking for explosives and stuff. So yeah. Tra a lot of travel mm -hmm. involved. That is crazy. Yeah. Okay, so where where were you deployed to? Um, I was in Kuwait. So when you do that, mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you prepare to, to go over to, I mean, did you speak the language? No, so um, typically in the military, uh, you go with a whole team of people. It was different for me because I was a dog handler. Right. And so I was basically on my own. I, I didn't go with the whole team of people that I was stationed with. Um, it was it was scary because mm -hmm. I, um, even though I traveled with all these other military people to go to the same location, I was pretty much on my own to fend take care of myself, my dog. I had a lot of equipment and um, wow. it was in 2000 when I went and um, it was, I was there when the USS Cole got bombed oh, so in I Yemen. So that, that wasn't, that was pretty trying time. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't know if we were going to be able to leave on time. And so you kind of, you kind of deal with that kind of anxiety. But, um, and how do you deal with that anxiety? I mean, honestly, yeah. you, you have put your life on the line. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Because there are people out there who just don't like you. Right. right. Because you exist. Right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. No, it's true. It, it is. I, I can't imagine living on that kind of high alert it's, every day. It is. It, um, being in the military itself, um, you you kind of look at it as just like a regular job, and I and I think like a lot of other veterans will say too, oh, I'm just doing my job, but you don't really realize that what you're doing has such a big importance because it's almost like you're mm -hmm. just trained to just go through the motions. But right. you know, when I look back at it now, um, were there anxieties? Yeah, and do I suffer from a lot of anxiety still? Yeah, it's um. But in a way, I think it's, you almost learn to live like a double life. Mm -hmm. What I tell people is that you learn to, I explained this analogy. I'm like, oh, you lost an arm. Okay, well, you still have another one, so let's keep it moving. You kind yeah. of have yeah. that mentality. You have to it compartmentalize. Yeah. Kind of. mm -hmm. So you learn, you do learn to compartmentalize and you learn to like take care of other people. And sometimes you do forget to take care of yourself because mm -hmm. as a woman, naturally, I think we want to mm -hmm. comfort and take care right. of everybody else. Right. Even the even the airmen that worked for me, you know, you don't want to see anyone else suffer. And I had to learn at a very young age how to mentor people. How to, I was basically an airman's, young airman's mother, father, sister, brother, mm -hmm. financial advisor, counselor. Yeah. You know, um, and... 
it's a lot of responsibility. And I think even now, you know, I'm 43 now, but I still take my responsibilities seriously. Right. So it, 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 I think the, I, I wouldn't say that the military totally made me that way, but I was kind of already like, I'm the oldest of three children. So, so I think you're it just helped you to develop that, yeah. that a little bit more. Exactly. So I think you already have it. Yeah. Right. And I think most, the ones who do succeed in the military yeah. mm-hmm. already have that. Yeah. yeah. I think you're born that with foundation. it. Yeah. And then you just learn how to develop it. Like, yeah. and I t- read all these books on leadership and stuff. Are leaders born or are they made? And I don't know. I think it's kind of a little bit of both. I agree, I agree with it. Though. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just about who mentors you and how well you're picking it up and how well you understand the importance of it, I think. Right. So, mm-hmm. right. so were you always an animal person? Have yeah, I was. Been? I always had dogs growing up. Um, it, I will tell you that it is different in the military. The dogs are equipment. Right. Um, they're, I was they're just like, going to ask you but I about your relationship. That, yeah, but I wouldn't say that they're, you don't have a connection, you obviously, with them. You have Especially to. on a deployment. You mm-hmm. do. It's, you rely on. You rely heavily on That's your backup. The dog. That's your yeah. partner. Yeah, So exactly. it's, um, you know, caring for the animal. The training for that is, was pretty intense. So. Was it? There's a lot to learn, a lot that you learn going along the way, just like any job, but um, where you gain the experience. But yeah, it was. Um, it, it it is the training was rigorous. You yeah. have to be physically fit, obviously, mm-hmm. to do this. And I'm not oh, like built like a female wrestler or anything. I'm not that fit, but <laughs> right. No, but the right. thing that I loved about the profession is that it is mentally stimulating mm-hmm. and. It wasn't about me. It was about the dog and the relationship that you have and kind of you want to get this positive response back and you want the dog to work for you. So we always used to say, you know, if you're having a bad day, then your dog's going to have a bad day. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's always like doing your obedience training and putting whatever you have aside to get the job done. And you basically train every day. Every day was training. Every Every day, day. yeah, which is important I feel with any dog. Right. Oh, any yeah. dog. I don't, mean, my, don't ask me about my pets. Right well, <laughs> my I dogs. Would... <laughs> I, I do training fifteen minutes yeah. every day, and sometimes it's just basic yeah. stuff. But just to keep them yeah. reminded that you know when I say come, yeah. <laughs> you better you be come. here. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of a dog did you have? Um, well, in the mili- in the Air Force, we only used uh, German Shepherds or Belgian Malinois. So I've worked both. Oh, have you? Um, How and, many dogs did you have while you were in the? Uh, Air Force? Probably eight or nine different wow. ones. So it's different in the military than it is for like a regular police officer's canine. Um, the dogs are procured through their procurement process and they're allocated to certain bases based on that base's mission. So oh, wow. anytime that you left or ch- did a permanent change of station, um, you ne- you didn't take the dog. The dogs didn't go home. They had a facility Wow, they stayed base. there? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's... Um, it was even more difficult because you had to, you know, sometimes you had to, the dogs could deploy it more than the people. I so don't know we, if I could have handled that. There were a couple of dogs that I bonded with that I was just like, oh, I don't want. No, and then there hard. were a couple dogs. I'm like, I don't want to. Freak this, dog. <laughs> this dog is crazy, you know. This dog needs to go to yeah, Alaska. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing bad against Alaska. Yeah. No. But um. You know, it, it it was difficult, but it we it was that's how it was. But like you said, you had to you had to, to think of them yeah. as equipment. Yeah. This this yeah. is just part of your 
ensemble. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and it can yep. go away, and you uh, need a new one. And yep. Now we're dogs trained for different things. Yeah. So um, depending on the base's mission, they would have so many drug dogs and mm -hmm. then so many bomb dogs. Um, when I was stationed in Korea, they were mostly attack. Mm -hmm. All of the dogs were trained to attack, mm -hmm. but um, you know you'd only have a certain that were attack and drug or attack and bomb. But in Korea, they were mostly attack dogs. Holy that's, uh, it's you're, they're more trained to be in the field. I did a lot of training in the field right. out there, so um, it was a little bit different. Wow, mm. that is amazing. But I worked mainly explosive dogs. Holy cow. So, which I thought was cool because the thought of almost being blown up kind of excites you. When you're in your early 20s. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you feel older. like you're invincible. Yeah. yeah. The older I got, wow. I'm like, um, yeah, I'm not sad That's exciting. That. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I walk home every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did you do today? I well, I didn't get blown yeah. up. <laughs> I'm here, so I'm good. <laughs> that is crazy. So what was the most... The most um, I guess, what, what place did you enjoy the most being in the military? Because I'm sure you've traveled the world. Well, before I was a dog handler, I was stationed in Germany, and that was the that was my first assignment, and that was the... I, I haven't been back yet, but yeah. I want to go back. I absolutely loved it there. I yeah. loved Germany. Just, Everybody who goes to Germany seems to just they fall in love. It. It was, they fall I in love. The it. architecture, the, you know, just everything. everything. The landscape, the yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The people, even though their language is very harsh, they're really a very no, warm people. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. it just always sounds like they're mad at you. But, yeah. yeah. But they really are very warm. Uh, so what was your least favorite, can I ask? You know, it was Korea. Was it? Yeah. I was going to say Minot, North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you that every... <laughs> That's where I, I went after Germany. What a culture shock. I'm oh, from yeah. the city. Oh, my gosh. And then I'm, like, in the middle of nowhere, 30 miles south of the Canadian border. Oh, my gosh. It's freezing. That would kill me. And um, kill me. Do people really live there? They do. Oh, they, my gosh. It's a lot more. I still have friends that are state, that stayed there to raise their families. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, do you know what? Do you know there's a whole United right? States? Right. <laughs> Arizona is wonderful. It's just so hard to imagine. But it is these what places. you make of it. Like mm -hmm. I would say the the least fa favorite assignment was Korea. Um, it we worked a lot there. Um, right. So you were in the field a lot, and uh, you know. And then I was there when September 11th happened. So we worked mm. for wow uh, everything. Every military base was on lockdown. So. Wow, we, we I probably worked for three or three or almost four months straight wow. with no days no off, days twelve Holy hour, fourteen hour shifts. So wow. it's, I you can't just kind of learn to kind of go through the motions, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know I'm, what you're fighting for. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. So being one of the the few females with the dogs, and did you run up against like? You know, you hear so much about um, the, like, sexual harassment in the military, and is that really running rampant, or? Oh, uh, yeah. It, yeah. Really? hundred percent. Oh, my is. gosh. And I think, um, I think that if, if you're not 
strong mentally, um, it can definitely break you down. Mm-hmm. I won't lie and say that I've never had some encounters where um, I, I was told that I don't belong or oh, that I, man. especially as a dog handler. Um, I was actually cornered at, when I was stationed in Korea by what we call the kennel master. He ran, it was a huge kennel, mm-hmm. so I say 25 dog teams Holy or cow. more. And um, there was only a couple of us women there. So, mm-hmm. And it was more of their old school tactic of trying to intimidate, mm-hmm. you know, and... Um, right. Of course, I, I have a mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And, um, you guys know. Um, Come so, at me, bro. I was, yeah. So I said a, a few things, but, you know, it was more like kind of like their scare tactic. I mm-hmm. mean, not nothing, no sexual harassment there, right. but it was more of an intimidation to try to break me down. Mm-hmm. And that's, if you if you train with a lot of the older school folks, then that's, that's kind of how it was. Right. But I was kind right. of like, okay, well, I'm here for a year, so... Like, I, I, that's what I told them. I'm here for the next 12 months, so. So get used to it. If you are, it. you are, then you're going to have to deal with me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I won't lie and say that I didn't walk away. Like, I was completely right. crushed. Like, shaking. <laughs> yeah. Like, like <laughs> just, just get me to my bone. I'm like, just man, get me I was like three feet taller. <laughs> <laughs> I would fight this dude. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I ain't scared of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But I also met a lot of good friends that I'm still, actually, I still talk to every so often. And, um, you know, I'll never forget. Even though I can say it was, like, one of the worst assignments, it was the best. Like, I had people who looked out for me, and I looked out for them. So those are the friendships. That's what I miss. Those... And I think, you know, those they say that those shared experiences yeah. mm-hmm. that are so hardcore like that yeah. That's what I was truly do yeah. make lifelong yeah. friendships. Yeah. So you never forget them. You're in a place where you have no idea how things work and the culture and everything, right. and you're all in that together. And yeah. so you learn to rely on each other. And, you know, and yeah. at, um, you know, I work for DPS, and someone did ask me not too long ago, like, what is the difference? What, what, um, what do you miss most about the military? And mm-hmm. my, my honest answer was is that it didn't matter of personality conflicts. Like, it didn't matter. I'm like, I work with people every day that I, I just don't care for. Mm-hmm. But you would never know it. And, right. and the same thing happens in the military. But when you need to get something done, that that any personal conflicts or anything, you pushed through it. And mm-hmm. you know what? Right. Like, you didn't really dislike somebody you right. know you just did it anyway because you're if that person fails then we all fail so exactly. i miss that type of camaraderie and teamwork teamwork yeah yeah, yeah. And you don't really see that in the civilian world that's true no. that is very true it's i will say to that, that extent yeah. yeah yeah i mean dispatch and there it, are a lot of times right when you're working you walk in it's like oh my god it's this shift yeah right but when when the shit hits the fan, no, everybody. You're right. Because and I did notice that when working in dispatch, everybody, um, it, it's just a little different level. I mean, it is. You know, the the military is extreme. Right. But in dispatch, you do you have to be able to rely on those on people. We have yeah. a lot. You know, you because can have drama and you can have 
you know, conflict and you can have arguments yeah, and whatever. Sure. But when the shit hits the fan, you I can need rely. to know you have my back. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And we all take care of each other. Yeah. Right. You know, nobody sits in there and goes, I'm not helping you just because I don't like you. Yeah. I mean they yeah. all jump in and help. Yeah. So. so when you got out of the military, did you go directly into police work? Mm-hmm. You did so go- um I actually got off active duty. I did thirteen years active duty. And when I first got off active duty, I did what I did on active duty at the base for three months. I was waiting to get hired at DPS. And that's when I started in dispatch. So I really, I mean, working at DPS to me was, it's regimented. It wasn't really So do you think that helped you Um, going into work like that to kind of get back into civilian life? I mean, you girls knew me and I, I was... I pretty much kept to myself. I wasn't like, uh, I'm not like a super social butterfly. I Mm -hmm. I actually don't even like public speaking or anything like that. But I I was like, oh, hey, I'm here at work. You make the best of it. I used to joke and say, well, I'm not deployed, so I'll do whatever you want me to do. (laughs) But I just just did did my job and did it the best that I could, you know. Yeah. But um, I won't lie, it was very hard on me mentally going from being full active duty and then to a reservist mm-hmm. and then as a civilian. Okay. Right. I, struggled, um, I struggled mentally a lot with that. And then, um, you know, learning a new job and then having my other commitment to the reserves. It, 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 being in the reserves, people can say anything they want about being weekend warriors, stuff like that. But... It, you're living a double life, right. especially mm-hmm. if you're not doing what you do in the reserves. And, and having and I to didn't. shift those gears. Yeah. And I, I actually retrained. I was doing medical administration wow. type stuff. So not only that, it was a culture shock for me mm-hmm. because I worked around a lot of officers, so a lot of doctors and stuff. So I'm constantly standing up, and they're like <laughs> sitting back. It's more like, hey, Joe, hey, Bob. And I'm like, what is what the hell's going on here? Like You're standing at attention all day. They're long. like, sit down. You're going to be standing all day when you do that because they were all officers. Right. And, you know, but it, but I really liked the unit. I ended up staying. I ended up getting activated. Actually, mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't actually that. go right into medical admin. I stayed as military police, not as a dog handler. And mm-hmm. I was what was called an individual reservist. And I was attached to a unit in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. And so I did. I got activated. I was activated for three years, I and I that. lived back east on wow. on basically contingency orders, deployment orders, because that entire unit had been pretty much deployed. Mm-hmm. And they had no one to kind of manage the things back there. So it, it worked out in my favor. I mean, I made a little bit of extra money. I wasn't here, but um, and then after that. Um, at, when I was getting ready to leave, they actually wanted to deploy their reservists to um, Iraq. Oh, my. And I was like, yeah, well, that's not going to happen because I'm going to retrain. <laughs> and I actually had a recruiter ask me, "What? you have 18 years already doing this. Why do you want to retrain? I'm like, Cause I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go back home to yeah. live my life. I don't want to deploy again unless uh, unless I was a dog handler and that wasn't mm-hmm. going to happen as a reservist. So right. that's when I retrained into medical admin. And then that's where it, it, it that was a culture shock too. Being yeah. a reservist itself was a culture shock, but mm-hmm. doing the medical admin piece was. Something totally different from what you were doing before. Yeah, it was <laughs> a lot easier, but um, 
not knocking on my medical folks, we busted our tails on those weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I drilled in Tucson, so um, wow. I would have to be there at least one or two days before. So, mm. And it was hard being a dispatcher because you only get X amount of military days um, oh, every, wow. two, every two fiscal years. Mm. So I would burn a lot of my own you know, vacation, vacation, vacation time, time stuff yeah. like that. So, mm-hmm. man. So it it took and working shift work at the time in dispatch, it it took its toll on. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I would literally work, drive down to Tucson, oh, and then work gosh. all day. Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah. Shift work and I am some. I need sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get this cute. Not sleep. <laughs> I needed my sleep. I don't blame yeah, you. Right? I do not. I'm like, I need eight that. hours. Shift work is hard anyway, but I know. You're doing right. something like that, too. Yeah, that's absolutely. Rough. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I truly, both Kelly and yeah. I, really appreciate Aww. you coming in today. Yes. We appreciate your you service. Yeah. Thank you. So I much. Yes. Because thank you for your service. It's... People like you literally sign your lives yeah. off over to us. Mm-hmm. To, to defend us. Yep. And I enjoyed everything. We're just honored yeah. that you do that. Very much appreciated. Um, how did you end up in Arizona being an East Coast? I was Coaster? actually um, stationed here at Luke Air Force Base. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh. I, got stationed, I got stationed here out of Korea um, in 2002. So just fell in love with Arizona. Yeah. That's and I was like, I'm not. You can't shovel sunshines. So yeah. I'm like, I'm not moving back. I didn't move back to Rhode Island. I yeah. stayed out here, and then that I got. You know, I started working for DPS, and that is awesome. So that's well, why I stayed out here. Well, well we're glad you're here. Thank well, again, you. thank you very, thank you. very much, and I'm glad you're here in Arizona because it is hot. It's hot. It hot in Arizona. <laughs> so let's talk about some things going on. I tell you, this I love this time of year. Because I like lights. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I love lights. Like Vegas at night oh, is my yeah. favorite. That's okay, nice. I don't care what time of year. <laughs> I love lights. So coming up, uh, the weekend, it starts November 21st, goes all the way to January 12th. And it is called Lights of the World. And it's at the Arizona State Fairground. Mm-hmm. And uh, it starts at like 530 You can walk through 65 light displays. They've got carnival rides and acrobatic performances. And I don't know if everybody knows where the the fairgrounds is, but they're at 1826 West McDowell Road. And you can get your tickets at etix.com. And for adults, it's, this is kind of weird. For adults, um, advanced purchase, (laughs) $12.60. It's like, who who comes up with these numbers? (laughs) Uh, children and seniors are $10.50. And then, of course, out east. Let's go out east because I always kind of stay in the West Valley. But out east in Mesa, kind of kind of where the area that you're from, um, they're going to have large, large lights at the farm uh, on Friday <laughs> the 22nd, 530 to 1030. I don't know if you've ever been to Vertuccio Farms. Have you ever been there? Not, but I'm excited to go see the lights. Uh, They're located at 4011 South Power Road in Mesa, and it's a walkthrough. They've got a Christmas light show with over 2 million lights that are synchronized to music. They also have a skating rink. Ooh. Mm. Man, I haven't been skating in 100 years. I used to skate competitively, and now I think I'd just be, like, on my butt going around. (laughs) Just somebody push me. (laughs) 
Um, but they have a general admission ticket for $10, and then the ice rink is an additional 8 You can get those at lightsatthefarm.com. Go check them out. And then, have you ever been out? I, I've never been out to Queen Creek. Mm-hmm. Have you been out to no. Queen Creek? Mm-hmm. Have you been to the Olive Mill? I have not, but I've heard about it. Okay, me too. I've seen Mm -hmm. pictures. Oh Uh my gosh, this looks fantastic. So Saturday the 23rd from 5 to 9, they have the Sangria Social at the Queen Creek Olive Mill. And they're located at 25062 (laughs) South Meridian Road in Queen Creek. Um, It's going to be chilly that night, the weather forecast says, so bring a sweater. It's all outside, but you can sip on a variety of house-made sangrias, and you can order food from their eater. I've seen pictures with the pretty lights and they've got picnic tables, but they encourage you to bring a blanket and your own chair because there'll probably be a lot of people. They're going to have live entertainment. It's all free. Nice. Um, you have to pay for, you know, sangrias and stuff, but um, it's you can go check it out and be a fun evening to spend with friends. It's family friendly. So, you know, kids can't have sangria, but, uh, you know, you know, bring your, sometimes you might want to bring a teenager. So you have a designated driver. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So is there anything going on outside of town? Yeah. It started October 24th and it goes through January 5th. It's the lights of the world festival in Tucson. See, that's what I love about this time of year. Everybody's doing lights. Exactly. They will have 45 displays and 6 million lights. And they're at the Kino Sports Complex. It doesn't list a price, so I'm not sure it's going to cost to get in there. And November 30th, Prescott's 24th Annual Holiday Parade starts at the Yavapai County Courthouse at 6 p.m. I love light parades. Yeah, me too. Me too. Especially up, you know, getting up north. Then it's getting really cold. You're really into that, like, Christmassy spirit because it feels Mm -hmm. like Christmas. Even though we like it hot in Arizona. Right. Right? It's always nice to drive a couple hours north. And then come home and not have to worry about shoveling snow. Exactly. Well, that is going to do it. Hey, yeah. Melanie, again, we Melanie, thank you thank so you very so much, much for spending your afternoon with us. And uh, remember to follow us on Twitter. If any of you have anything going on you want us to feature, um, get a hold of us either through Twitter or Anchor FM, and we can get your event on. We do appreciate a two-week lead time. You can follow me, Scarlett, at HeartPrinceAZ on Facebook and Instagram. And me, Kelly, at Healthy Heart and Happy Soul on Facebook and Instagram. And we'll see y'all next week. Bye.